You're listening to a Same But Different podcast. In this episode, we will hear from Angela, who lives with Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, which is a group of disorders in which the motor and sensory peripheral nerves are affected, which results in muscle weakness and wasting, as well as a loss of sensation. Thank you for joining me today. I was wondering if you'd mind starting by really explaining, you know, the name of your condition, what it means for you, how you found out about it. The condition I have is called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. Now, those three names are the three French neurologists who actually discovered the uh, genetic anomaly. Right. So that's why it's called Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, CMT for short. And it's a condition that affects the peripheral nerves, mainly the elbows and below, and knees down. With myself, it also affects my esophagus, so I can choke quite a lot, and uh, my hearing, because they're all peripheral nerves. It results in the myelin sheath that protects the nerves starts breaking down, and so consequently the, the, the nerves start deteriorating. and degenerating basically how I first found I had it was I was really into fitness really into fitness I was working full-time single mum but I've always been clumsy used to fall over quite a lot uh, even as a child right and then in my sort of early 40s it started getting a little bit more noticeable I found I couldn't lift my right leg as, as well as I should do. Consequently, I kept falling over and missing a step. And I felt I was getting very fatigued, very tired, very, very quickly, which w- was not me. That was, no. I, I didn't feel that was right. Anyway, I thought it was something to do with my knees because when I was born, I had one leg longer than the other. That was a birth defect due to the thalidomide. Okay, so not related at all? No, not at all, no. And when I was 17, I had uh, surgery to shorten my right leg because to lengthen the other one would have taken two years. And I was just starting my nurse training. So I thought, right, let's go for the easy option. That's why I'm a short wheelbase. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I thought it was all related to that. So I booked in to see a sports therapist. She was a physiotherapist specialising in sports therapy. And she examined me. We did a few sort of like tests. And she just said to me, Angela, you've got no reflexes below your knees and on your wrists. You've got no reflexes whatsoever. I don't know. I don't know. I've never, never come across that before. So she referred me to the orthopaedic surgeon who basically said, no, I think this is more for neurology. So I went to see the neurologist, went through some extensive nerve conduction studies, and he suggested I have some blood tests, which is fine, I did, and that was through the genetic service in Glenclwyd. I was due to go to Walton for um, a lumbar puncture. That was my net. That was the next step in the in the diagnostic process, and the the blood results came back as me having CMT type one A which is, as again, is hereditary, but nobody in my family has had it. So it must have been a spontaneous mutation. And that's how, that's where it was left. I was told, this is what you have. You have CMT. There's nothing we can do. Absolutely nothing we can do. 
go away and get on with your life, basically. How did you process that? I didn't for ages. It was shocking. First of all, it was shocking to receive the news, but it was shocking to receive no support because there there was no support. They, They just basically, you know, sort of left me with this cliffhanger. And the cliffhanger as well contained stuff like Oh, you have a child. Well, there's 50-50% chance of your child inheriting the condition. So much to deal with. It is. I mean, one of my initial coping strategies was to to ignore it and say, this is not going to beat me. I'll crack on. I'll do exactly what I've always done, which I did. But I think within two years of the diagnosis, I I did a lot of research and I joined online groups but I did notice I started deteriorating quite a lot. But I noticed that my my grip was getting weaker. I had to stop exercising because I just I just literally couldn't do it anymore. I think the pinnacle of that was when I went to a spin class and I got off the bike and my legs gave away from underneath me. A lot of people thought that was hysterical because I look fine. Yeah. And they thought I'd just overdone it on the bike, but I, I couldn't even walk home. For somebody that's been active, that's a real loss, isn't it? It was horrible. It was it was quite a dark time in my life. It was a big loss to me. It was a big, big loss. And, and, and I do sort of find myself at times grieving for that fit person I used to be. You mentioned uh, the way in which the disease manifests and, and attacks of the nerves. Does it, is it painful? Yeah, I get a lot of ne- neurological pain. The only way I, c- I can describe it to you is constant but most of the time it's bearable because you get you, you do get used to when you're in, having chronic pain you do get used to sort of that level don't you but at times it feels like somebody's sticking a red hot poker down from my my elbow down to my wrist and it's it's just bur- it burns and it's and it's the same with my legs are there triggers are there things that you can do or is it just you wake up and it's a good day or a bad day it's a mixture. I find that if I do anything that I don't normally do, if I've been up and down stairs a few times, then I get that muscle pain as well. As well as the neurological pain, I get the muscle pain. Because the muscles, they're sort of like getting weaker and weaker. And there's, there's nothing that can bring these muscles back. My core muscles are fine. My legs, the top of my legs, my, my core, top of my arms, they're fine. I can, I can still sort of build muscle, but I cannot rebuild the muscle in my lower arms and lower legs. But there are other times when it's damp outside, when it's raining and cold, that plays havoc and the nerve pain affects my muscles then. And I get very, very weak and I'm frightened because I've got no strength in my lower legs. So it is a bit hit and miss, but I know certain triggers so day to day, I, I imagine you had to stop working. I did. I took early retirement. I mean, I spent 27 years in uh, substance misuse services and helped to build that up in North Wales. And my idea was to go back part time when I finished because I loved my job. And it was almost like that was taken away from me. And knowing that you were bloody good at your job and having that sort of forcibly taken off you was really difficult. I don't think I've ever recovered from that, to be honest. No. Have you ever had any professional support to deal with all of the losses that you faced? I I have had counselling, but in terms of support for my losses, 
yes, I, I, I mean, I've, I've got, I've got good friends I talk to, and I have sort of like spoken to a professional. But in terms of support for the CMT, I've had nothing. I remember one healthcare professional. I was trying to explain. This is it's called Charcot Marie Tooth disease, and he said to me, he said, well. Which part have you got? Have you got the charcoal, the marry, or the one that affects your teeth? Yeah. yeah it's a bit ridiculous, but, it, you know, it's just, this has nothing to do with teeth. No, no. <laughs> have you found from online support groups, have you found that other people have had better experiences in other areas, or is it the same across the board for the for CMT? It does. It, it, it's all. It's a little bit of a postcode lottery. They're one of the ladies I talk to lives down near Cardiff, and she has a fantastic service from her neurologist. She has annual appointments. She has access to at the mo at the moment she's having access to hydrotherapy, and she has a personal. She's a physiotherapist through the NHS. That that's just for her. So a few people in the South Wales area have had similar experiences of really good service. But then as a couple who haven't had anything either, I'm in touch with a, a girl from Anglesey. And even though we're under the same health board, she has a far better service in Bangor than I do. I'm due to go to Walton for a neuromuscular assessment next Tuesday. That'll be the first time I've actually seen anybody who has a specific interest in uh, CMT. The neurologist I've seen in all that time, I've seen three times. I, I don't know whether it's down to the neurology department themselves and their interest in the disease, because I'm I think I'm I'm the only person in my own GP practice with this condition. So I I don't know. But it, it it's very, very inconsistent. Yeah, it doesn't sound like quite the right support. The condition itself has similarities to other conditions like muscular dystrophy and multiple sclerosis so my question is why couldn't I tap into some of those services but I can't because I don't fit their criteria so the support for my condition has been poor yeah and also this is a condition that you can't see and I actually questioned whether people could actually believe me because I'm still quite slim and I mean I look fine I get people often looking at me uh, when I go and park in a disabled bay and pop my badge on and jump out the car. Because I'm having a good day, I'll, I'll get out the car and walk with my trolley. And I get people looking at me as if to say, why have you parked there? I actually had one lady knock on my window and said, do you know that that's a blue badge space? And I went, well, do you know that's my blue badge? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. I went, well, beg to differ. It's a really difficult thing, isn't it, to have to live with something that has changed your life in so many ways and yet visibly isn't obvious enough that people treat you with the respect and kindness that you deserve. Yes, I mean, constantly having to explain what, what is CMT. So my husband and I, normally, if anybody asks, we say, well, it's, it's similar to MS it's progressive it's degenerative it's never going to get better you know that's how we describe it because you know I don't want to go through the whole spiel of this is what it is 
No, well, this is where we hope that obviously the podcast will help people who want to know more, find out more without it being something that you have to carry. Yeah, definitely. Well, honestly, thank you so much for your time and for being so honest. I think it's it's really important that people can hear about these hidden struggles. It's been lovely. Thank you. I love talking to Angela. Life hasn't always been easy, but her positive energy, her openness and her honesty and her fight shone through. Losing parts of yourself and not being able to do the things that you love anymore is really hard. But Angela has worked hard to find herself again, to like herself even, and to find new things that bring her happiness and peace. Thank you for listening to this episode from our Days of Rare podcast series. We hope that you will join us next week when we will share another story of a life lived with a rare disease with you. In the meantime, if you'd like to know more about Angela, please click on the link in the description.